Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Across the country, COVID-19 cases are on the rise, and Cook County's had to make more room for patients. For a while, we were seeing lots of cases of uh, RSV infections, but those are dropping. Flu, on the other hand, is way up. The Centers for Disease Control reports there have been 73,000 flu hospitalizations and more than 45,000 deaths between last year and this one. Should you be worried? Should we all? Well, we're going to ask two experts this weekend. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Based on the metrics from the CDC, COVID-19 hospitalizations have moved from low to medium levels here in Chicago and Cook County, and health officials are reacting. This weekend, we're going to find out what they're doing and thinking about and what you should be considering as well. My guests this weekend are two top doctors with the Cook County Health and Hospital System. Dr. Sharon Welbell is Chief of Hospital Epidemiology and Infection Control for Cook County Health, and Dr. Whitney Lynn is the lead attending physician at Provident Hospital's Sangstack Health Center. Thanks to both of you for joining me and we are conducting this discussion via zoom conferencing 
Uh, Dr. Sharon Wellbell, I think people were uh, were finally hoping that we were done with uh, with COVID, that it's no longer in the headlines, but it's back. And uh, now we're seeing uh, news about it daily. What are we seeing? Uh, how much are we seeing right now? Thank you, Craig. Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of COVID both nationally and locally. We know that test positivity rate has gone up, but what's even a better indicator is hospitalization rate, emergency department visits are going up for COVID, as well as deaths have increased both nationally and locally. Um, and of the three respiratory uh, ailments that we've uh, we've seen, the respiratory syncytial uh, virus, uh, RSV, COVID, and the flu, um, what is the biggest concern at this time? So influenza, the rate of influenza cases is rising more quickly than the other two. And the next would be COVID and the last would be RSV. So we seem to have plateaued in many of the states, including in Illinois with RSV, although there are still plenty of cases of RSV circulating, RSV virus, I should say, circulating. I just diagnosed two people with it this last week. So although when we look at the graph, it's plateaued and numbers are coming down, it doesn't mean that it's gone. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the rate is always high if it's in your family. Uh, so, yes, if people people do have to watch out for those things. Dr. Whitney Lynn, what are you seeing among the families at the uh, Sengstack Health Center? What kinds of cases are you seeing? So um, here at the Sengstack Clinic, we're, you know, we're still seeing a, a wide variety um, of, you know, influenza, COVID, um, even RSV. Um, the good thing is we are able to test um, at site. So um, if our patients are having symptoms, they are able to come in um, and get tested for COVID, flu, um, RSV, um, and adenovirus. And so that, you know, is kind of a, a nice way of getting all four of them with one swab. Um, the Also, the great thing is we still have the COVID at home test. So, you know, always encouraging uh, patients to use the uh, federal website to get the home test that can be sent to them. They can get up to four for free. Um, and so a lot of patients are also using that um, as a way to test. Um, we are still seeing a lot of patients who do um, wanna get vaccinated, who are walking in asking for that flu, asking for that COVID, asking for the RSV if it's available. Um, and so families are still kind of having those discussions of, okay, I'm young, I, I can still, I can, I, you know, fight it off. Um, but it's not just about, you know, your age and how healthy you are. It's also important about who you're around, um, who can be immunocompromised that you could give it to who could really get um, severely ill due to an illness that might not even um, give you any symptoms as a, as a patient. And we should make the point that, uh, that people are coming in uh, and and how important is it for when they are even just having symptoms, the, you know, a, a bad cold to still be concerned about what it is they're having? Because all, all four of these uh, ailments are respiratory and they can all kind of look alike or feel alike. 
Right. And that's, you know, it, it, they all have the same, basically the same symptoms. Um, and so, you know, we want our patients to get tested as soon as they can, because we do have medications, antivirals that can protect them from making those um, symptoms any more severe than what they are. Um, they're still contagious, but at least it would help them with the symptoms um, of having them, you know, um, not have as long of symptoms of five, seven days. It can, you know, we want to get them as early as we can. Um, and so it's important for them to come in um, as soon as they get those symptoms. And even if they have symptoms and they test, and maybe the first time they check like a COVID and it's not negative, we do ask for them if they're still having symptoms a couple of days later to test again to make sure that um, the COVID or the flu or the RSV has um, not become positive because it can. Hmm. Dr. Sharon Wellbell, uh, you and I spoke at the beginning of uh, the, the COVID outbreak uh, a couple of years ago, and then the the worry was that people weren't taking it seriously. Uh, and it was just getting them to even pay attention. Um, that seems to be less of a problem now, but still... What do people need to know or need to worry about? Yeah, so as I was saying earlier, people do still need to worry about being hospitalized and dying from COVID. And not only that, people need to worry about transmitting the disease to other vulnerable people who could require hospitalization, intensive care unit care, and or dying from COVID. And so we now know, you know, we're in 2024, we, since 2020, we've learned a lot about this virus. It's still causing more deaths than our other respiratory viral illnesses. And it's, you know, we don't want to underestimate the importance of that and how important it is to be vaccinated to protect us from being hospitalized from requiring intensive care unit stay and from dying. Um, and also like Dr. Lynn said, also if people do are diagnosed with this, if they've done a home test for COVID, that they should contact their provider because taking an antiviral agent also greatly reduces the risk of being hospitalized or dying from COVID. And I want to say with the variants that are circulating right now, we are seeing people testing positive for COVID a few days into their clinical syndrome. So just like Dr. Lin said, to have people should retest. So if somebody is symptomatic and they take an at-home test, which of course isn't as sensitive as a molecular PCR test, they might test negative. And I tell them test again up to day four, because we're oftentimes seeing people not until day four being positive with the at-home test. And But regardless, if people have any of these respiratory viral symptoms, they should be masking around other people, not, not you know, don't attend that party, don't go into crowded areas because you don't want to transmit the disease. That's a good point to make. I, I remember even during... Uh... The main, I knock on wood, uh, never actually, to my mind, got COVID, but I had what I thought were symptoms and I really felt bad. And I did a home test and it was negative, but I still felt bad. And I went and got a 
honest to goodness, you know, a PCR test and still was negative. Great. And, and, you know, but, but it still felt like it. And I mean, with all the aches and pains and everything, and it went away in about a week, but I always wondered, did I have something? I mean, I was vaccinated. Could it have been, I mean, is it possible for people to, you know, encounter COVID, but not actually get it and, and still have some minor symptoms? Well, there definitely are people who are completely asymptomatic and don't even know that they have it. And they still can transmit COVID, but there's nothing they can really do about that because they don't know they have it. There, But there are, PCRs are very sensitive, but there are reasons why it could be negative, um, either due to how the test was taken or something happened in the laboratory. In general, they're very sensitive. Um, and the home antigen tests, what they really show us is when we're the most infectious. So the PCR will become positive first because it's so sensitive. But when we have enough virus to trigger that home antigen test, it'll become positive. So, um, and also there are there's a lot of other respiratory viral illnesses besides RSV influenza and COVID, so there's metanumovirus can cause uh, an illness that feels like a flu. Um, and there's some, you know, there's parainfluenza and rhinovirus and enteroviruses. So there's all sorts of viruses that can mimic that. Well, it's good. I, I feel better then. I can still say I was COVID free. Yeah. And, and you know what? You know what? It's still around, so I can still get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about the vaccines because... Lots of people have been talking about the vaccines. And I know, uh, uh, Dr. Lin, uh, you're, you've got people coming in asking for them. Um, the problem over the last couple of years was that people were resisting them. What are, What's happened in the interim? Well, I mean, as Dr. Walbaugh was saying, it's now we're almost going on to four years um, with COVID. And I think um, a lot of patients are starting to see like, this is really important. This is, you know, I've either received it, um, you know, someone in my family has gotten COVID because at some point it's going to be inevitable that every person has had COVID once or twice before. Um, but the important part is making sure that they're not getting hospitalized. The important thing is that they're not in the ICU or intubated or even worse come out is that they, you know, pass away from this. So I think um, people are starting to have more and more um, stories of family members or themselves who have gone through really um, bad symptoms of having COVID and now are realizing, okay, this is important. Um, and I also appreciate that um, the workforce and that certain jobs are requiring patients, I mean, their employees to have it because they know how serious it is. Um, and so I think patients are now really realizing how important it is to get vaccinated. Um, and as we're getting more and more vaccines that are coming out, like RSV and COVID, every couple of months comes up with an updated um, vaccine. We just want to make sure that um, patients don't get fatigued over always coming in for another vaccine. But I hope what they're seeing is that I'm staying safe and I'm staying healthy and I'm not being hospitalized for it. Um, so those are kind of the things that we want to make sure. And so we're happy patients are walking in um, to get these vaccines that save lives. And Dr. Uh, Welbill, uh, 
there are people who worry that, uh, you know, can I get the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine at the same time? Is that a good idea? Is there some problem with mix in people's minds, mixing them? Uh, what, what do you say to those people who are worried that if they get the RSV and the COVID and the, uh, you know, uh, flu, that something bad could happen. Yeah, thank you. It, yeah, people, it really understandable that people are asking these questions, but I do want to assure people that it is safe to get vaccines simultaneously. We've been doing this for a number of years now, particularly with influenza and the COVID vaccine since RSV just came out this year. There's really not much data on that. But clearly with influenza and COVID vaccine, we're giving them together. It's completely safe. There's even some data to say that it, um, the response is even more robust when they're, when they're given together. So people can feel comfortable as long as they're comfortable getting them together, completely safe to do that. And, you know, we know that these, you know, there, there have been over 5 billion with a B people worldwide who have gotten the COVID vaccine. So, and we've been giving influenza vaccine for, for many, many years. It's one of our safest vaccines. So we know that they are both safe. There have been, there are still campaigns uh, on social media and elsewhere uh, that suggest that the vaccines themselves are dangerous. Um, one claim uh, that's out there on the social media now is that it's going to enter your DNA and alter it. What can you say to people who are seeing these things and believing them? Yeah. And again, I think it's good that people are asking questions, especially since COVID vaccine no longer, I would no longer call it a new vaccine, but it's relatively new. And what's new about it, what was really I think um, interesting about it, but also made people question it was the mechanism of action, uh, this messenger RNA vaccine. And um, both the companies that produce the vaccine and the FDA has assured us that this vaccine does not integrate into our DNA. And as I said, you know, 5.5 billion people around the world have received the vaccine and we haven't seen uh, mal effects of it. And I think now, you know, we're into year four. So um, I feel very comfortable uh, advocating for this vaccine and the advantages of it. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guests are Dr. Sharon Welbell, Chief of Hospital Epidemiology and Infection Control for Cook County Health, and Dr. Whitney Lynn, Lead Attending Physician at Provident Hospital's Sangstack Health Center. Uh, I do want to turn to one of the other uh, hot, hot items uh, during the initial COVID outbreak and is still an issue these days, and that is uh, masks. Uh, I know uh, I've seen reports that uh, some hospitals like Rush, Advocate, and North Shore have moved back towards mask mandates uh, for patients as well as uh, staff. Um, uh, Dr. Lin, are you seeing 
more masks in your settings than you or or have you always been seeing a lot of masks in your setting? So we've always been seeing masks in our setting um, here at uh, Cook County. We have always had as part of our policy um, that with any direct patient care, um, any high risk area that masks need to be used. Um, the good thing is many of our patients are not reluctant. They're not pushing back about wearing masks. Many of them are actually walking in with their own mask. Um, with COVID being around for as long as it has been, I think people are have their own mask at all times. Um, and here at Cook County, we're still having masks as you walk in the door and also on the floor. So there's always an opportunity to have a mask. And um, patients know that it's it's for their safety um, because it's you know occupational hazard. Um, but we do know that masks work and they keep us and our patients safe. So we don't have any pushback about um, continuing our masks. Uh, Dr. Welbel, uh, you, you and I talked about masks uh, two, two, two years or so ago, and uh, it is something that uh, has been a policy by probably before COVID, but certainly through, all through and since. Yeah, so we've always masked for certain reasons, but not never had we done universal masking and it was really had to do with entering a patient's room. And then of course there was universal masking at which time we clearly see how well it works because we had almost no influenza during enti that entire season when we everybody was masking and very low rates of RSV and so on and so forth. When we pull back on that type of mitigation like universal masking, um, of course, we're seeing more transmission of these viruses because they didn't just go away. But um, we've always, always had to mask here. I've never taken that away for direct patient care. There's always been masking and and we widely mask in all of the high risk areas. And now we're masking in the, our all the waiting rooms. Everybody has to be masked and patients need to be masked when they're seeing their providers as well. And in general, as Dr. Lynn said, we, we have signage all around the hospital um, that our communications team has put up for us. And we have masks available throughout the hospital. And we really encourage people to just wear masks everywhere um, throughout their visit here. Um, should people be thinking about wearing masks in other settings too? Uh, because, you know, as we've been talking about, we are seeing more influenza cases. And in fact, uh, I think I had a statistic that says that uh, fewer than half of children in the U.S. have received this year's flu vaccine. And the CDC reports that is the lowest rate in five years. So first off, people can encounter these things more. But second, what is it telling us when people aren't even getting them vaccines and the rates that we would like to see. Yeah, I think that there is this phenomenon that people have heard of vaccine fatigue. I, I think it's real. Um, as you said, not, you know, less than 50% of folks in the U.S. have gotten their flu vaccine and about 18 to 20% have gotten their, the latest COVID vaccine, which, you know, I'll just reiterate is a real shame because it, it can save one's life. And we know particularly, you know, there have been 20 deaths due to influenza in children this year. And there's really nice data to show that uh, 
children who have been vaccinated are significantly less likely to be hospitalized or die from influenza if they got their vaccine. So, you know, I really encourage parents to get their children vaccinated and the parents get vaccinated as well. And I do, I agree, wearing a mask in, you know, the grocery store, just going shopping, particularly post the holiday season, we're, we're seeing a lot more transmission. People have been gathering and people are indoors more during the cold weather. And I really encourage people to wear masks. I certainly do. I wear a mask in indoor spaces. And even if one is in, you know, at work in a crowded meeting, even if um, masks aren't required, I would recommend that people continue to wear their masks. It's a, it's a, a simple and very effective measure. Dr. Lynn, uh, I've knows that I've seen masks on public transportation more than I much more than I used to. And I'll admit it sometimes surprises me uh, because there was so much controversy about it. But uh, I gather you're seeing the same things. Yes, I am. Um, you know, I have my my husband and my mother who do CTA almost every single day. Um, and for my mother, who's 72 years old, she's always happy to see that everyone else who's on the bus, over 90% of them have a mask on, regardless of their age. Um, and that's that lets me know that people are really, you know, there's always that mistrust. But I think people are now understanding that COVID is real. Flu is real. RSV is real. And so now that people have been doing masks for so long, it's part of their uh, their daily routine. Um, and so I, I really applaud the that CTA has masks available for um, all of its riders as well as its um, its driver, because it's it's one of the things that keeps our rates low. And so, you know, for our patients who are not going to get vaccinated, at least they're taking other precautionary um, ways to, you know, decrease transmission. And one thing that I have seen, and I, you know, I, I, I will assume that you guys would like to see more of it is I saw someone who wasn't wearing a mask sneeze and immediately put a mask on, uh, which meant that they had it with them. And as soon as they thought I might be giving somebody or, or people might think I'm giving them something, they put their mask on immediately. Uh, and does that also show a different sensibility in um, within the public? I think that is um, huge. And it's, you know, if you see all the various commercials that they have out there um, that the Illinois Department um, of Public Health has put out, like when you sneeze, you put on a mask. And I think also other people will look at them and kind of, you know, a little bit of shame to them. Like, why wouldn't you wear your mask before you sneezed? Um, and so I think a lot of patients um, and a lot of people are starting to to recognize that they get shamed um, basically if they sneeze or cough and don't have a mask on. Um, and so I, I kind of love it. Um, I, I want um, everyone to know that if you have these, you know, the sniffles, the cough, you should have a mask on regardless of saying, well, my COVID was negative or my, my tests were negative. You're still potentially going to you know, give something to somebody else. So if you need to wear a mask, then that's what you need to do. Um, not just to protect yourself, but to protect the other people that you're around because you don't know what they have. You don't know what their immune system is like. And so nobody wants that feeling of potentially giving something that could really harm a patient or even kill them. 
Um, so yes, that's okay. You can shame them and give them the eye. <laughs> Dr. Wellbell, I want to ask about another area of concern, and that was uh, things like nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. That is where COVID really took hold in the first uh, outbreak. Uh, are we seeing more cases or, or are we seeing more concern in areas like that where or should we be seeing more concern? Yeah, we are seeing more cases in congregate settings, um, and there should be a high level of concern because these this is a very vulnerable population. Exactly what you said, we saw the horrible rates of hospitalizations and deaths in these facilities. And so, you know, again, in those types of facilities, people have to be very, you know, wary. I really recommend people going to visit their loved ones in such facilities to wear a mask because people can be pre-symptomatic. So one might not feel anything and go visit a loved one at a, a congregate setting and then the next day has symptoms. And one can be infectious during that pre-symptomatic period. So I just think definitely wear masks in, in when one is going to see a loved one. And if you have loved ones in these facilities, you know, inquire, talk to the administrative staff and see, see what their rules and regulations are and um, how comfortable you feel with it. Mm. I, I have uh, seen some, uh, I, I know of at least a couple of facilities that have had little sporadic outbreaks of, uh, of of COVID among staff and patients. Um, is it something easy to control? I mean, when you are in a setting like that, I mean, can you can they get a handle on it quickly? There definitely, we definitely can get a handle on it, and we saw that happening during COVID. We do have great tools now. Masking is one of them, particularly. Uh, in facilities like that to, you know, either either universal masking or choosing every time one sees a, a client or a patient that providers and patients need to be masked and so forth. Visitors should always be masked, in my opinion. We have always visitors here when they're seeing their patients. The policy here is that they have to be masked because they can come in with anything. And there are mitigation measures, and we did see them working in congregate settings. Well, that is going to be, uh, that's an encouraging word, and that is going to be the final word uh, for this. And I thank you both very, very, very much. Uh, <laughs> I would like to thank Dr. Sharon Wellbell and Dr. Whitney Lynn from the Cook County Health and Hospital System for spending the time with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcast on odyssey.com that's a-u-d-a-c-y we'll be back next week with another edition of that issue and i hope you'll be listening until then i'm craig delamore news radio 105.9 wbbm we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.